Now, Father God, thank you again for a chance to be with my family. Pray that you bless this time as we look at your word together. God, speak to us, uh, challenge us, encourage us, God, uh, and shape and mold us to be the people you want us to be, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we asked the question, uh, what are some ways that you resemble your parents, right? Maybe you look a little bit like your mom. Maybe you act a little bit like your dad, right? Maybe, maybe you got some other stuff that, that's a little funny, a little embarrassing, like some habits you picked up that you're like, I kind of wish I did not resemble my parents in this way, right? Um, we asked that question, in what ways do you resemble your parents? Because like it or not, we do end up resembling our parents in some kind of way. Some people say that you end up looking like your pets. I hope that's not true. I don't know that that's true. But I definitely know that all of us, whether we like it or not, end up resembling our parents in some kind of way, right? We just can't help it. We'll pick up little things here and there. There's something you'll say, you'll be like, oh no, I'm my mom, right? There's something you'll do and you'll be like, like that, man, I'm, I'm my dad, how'd I even do that? You'll look in the mirror and you'll be like, oh yeah, okay, that's where, that's where those cheekbones came from, right? That's where that came from. Um, if you guys have ever uh, met my parents, uh, I resemble my parents, particularly my dad. If you've ever met my dad, uh, I look like a direct clone, right? <laughs> like out of a science fiction movie, I look like a direct clone of my father. Or, or my father's like a future version of me. Come back from the past, right, with the gray hair to, to warn of like an upcoming apocalypse or something. Uh, I look just like my dad, like just like him. There's a lot of personality uh, similarities too, but, but, but if you were to stand us side by side, there is definitely, definitely a resemblance uh, there, uh, you know, that, that I resemble my dad big time. Our, Jack and I's own kids, they, they resemble us in different ways. Some of you guys have met our kids, Thomas, Cadence, and Hannah. Um, and uh, man, people all the time say, hey, Thomas looks just like, sometimes just like Jack, it looks just like Thomas, or it looks just like Matt, sorry. Uh, he does look a lot like Thomas. Um, <laughs> Jack and I were talking about it earlier this week, and if I sit down to, to draw or do something creative, uh, our youngest daughter, Hannah, I mean, she'll, she'll sit down right next to me, she'll get out her drawing stuff and say, what, what are we drawing today? Uh, she loves art, right? She loves visual arts. Um, our middle daughter, Cadence, is a reader, right? And she sees mom and sitting on the couch with a big old thick book, and she wants to cuddle up next to her and, and with her big old book. And this girl is, is a reader like none other. She devours books, devours books. And like, not kids' books, like big old thick novels. Uh, she just tears through them. So a big old thick novel uh, that would take us a year to read, like she, she's through it in two days, three days. Uh, and on to the next one, right? Loves, loves reading. And I know she got that from, from her mom. Um, so when we look at our kids and we see these things, they're kind of picking up from us. Not always good things, right? I shared the good things, man. Sometimes the stuff they say, and you're like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> I better watch it because like they're picking up some bad habits from me too. They're picking up some stuff I didn't necessarily realize I was laying down. Uh, and so, so, man, but it's always neat to see the ways that uh, children resemble their parents. Do you guys know that God calls you His children? God chose all the ways He could identify Himself. All the ways he could reveal himself to humankind, he chose to reveal himself as a father, and he says, I'm calling you my children, my sons, my daughters, right? What does that mean for us, right? What does that mean? I think there's a lot to unpack there. When, when God would choose to call us his children, call us his sons, call us his daughters, what way do we resemble God? You know, the Bible tells us in the very beginning that we were created in the image of God, right? There's things about you that look just like your heavenly father. Right? The things about your character, about your nature, uh, you know, that every human being on this earth, regardless of where they're born, regardless of skin color, uh, regardless of gender, they, they carry the image of God. Every single human being. Right? We resemble the Father. 
in some kind of way. Uh, but then also, as we are in this journey of getting closer to God, in this journey of following Jesus, we should begin to resemble him more and more in our character, right? And, and purity and in our character, the way we act, the way we treat other people, we should begin to resemble our Father uh, more and more. So that's what we're looking at tonight. And what does it mean to be a child, a child of God? What does it mean for us to be children of God? How do we, how do we begin to resemble our Father more? How do we begin to resemble God more? And we're continuing this series looking at the New Testament letter of 1 John. We're calling the series Complete Joy because John said, that's my purpose in writing you this letter. I want your joy to be full. I want your life to be so full of joy. Uh, Jesus promised life and life to the full, right? And, and I want you to experience the fullness of life that God has for you, right? A life that can be full of joy in every way. Uh, and so as we've been going through each week, we've been looking at different ways, man, that we can, we can see the fullness of God's joy in our life. And if you missed any of those messages, all of those are available online at confidentmemphis.com or on the, uh, the podcast. You can go and check those out or you can share with a friend. Um, but, but if you missed them all, that's okay. You're not, we're going to be able to jump right in tonight uh, looking at what he has to say about us being children of God. So we're going to pick up in John, 1 John, uh, the letter of 1 John, chapter 2, starting in verse 28. 1 John, chapter 2, starting in verse 28. John says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. John encourages us to continue in him, continue in Jesus, continue pursuing Jesus. And the reason he says so we can be confident and unashamed at his coming. You know, John's here is talking about the second coming of Jesus. So there's going to come a day where Jesus comes back for his church. He comes back for his people. Uh, it could be tomorrow. It could be 10,000 years from now. But Jesus promises, man, one day... He's going to come back. He's going to return for his church. Uh, and, he said, and John says when he returns, we want to be found, right, confident it, it is coming. We don't want him to be embarrassed, ashamed, like, oh, Jesus, you came back. I didn't know you were coming back today or else I would have, like, cleaned up better. Or else I would have straightened up better. Or else my life wouldn't be such a mess. Uh, Jesus says, you don't know what day I'm coming back. So just, man, man, live for me every day, right? We want to be confident and unashamed it is coming. When Jesus returns, we want him to find us faithfully pursuing him, not sitting around doing nothing, First kingdom, right? Not entangled in some kind of sin. Uh, Jesus shares a parable uh, when, when he's teaching about, about ten bridesmaids, right? Ten brides-to-be waiting for their groom, right? They don't know when the groom's coming, right? It's, it's ancient times, right? They couldn't, he couldn't FaceTime and be like, baby, I'm 30 minutes out, okay? Be ready. Um, some, of you guys, some of you guys, when, when you're dating, like, you, you need to give your date lots of warning, right, when you're coming, so, so, so they, know, they know how much time they have to get ready, right? That didn't exist, right? So, so he couldn't be like, you know, honey, I'm, I'm going to show up on November 1st, be ready, right? Uh, they just knew he was coming sometime, right? So some of the bridesmaids, they stayed ready, right? You stay ready, you got to get ready, right? So they, they stayed ready, they stayed ready, we're ready for that groom to come, right? And, and so the analogy Jesus uses uh, they kept their lamps full of oil, right? That they, they had, you know, what, they had whatever they needed uh, to go and meet the groom uh, and, and go off and honeymoon with him, right? Uh, and then some of the bridesmaids, again, waiting for uh, some of these maidens waiting for, for their groom to come, they weren't ready. I don't know why, right? I don't know they got busy doing this or caught up doing that. Uh, when the groom showed up, they weren't ready. And they got left, right? Uh, but but the, the, the purpose, uh, and again, there's a lot to unpack here in that parable, but the purpose for tonight is, particularly looking at this verse here, when the groom comes back, right, 
for, for his bride and as the church, as the body of Christ, and we're the bride of Christ, and we want him to return and us be ready, right? For him to find us and, and ready, uh, doing his will, living lives uh, that are glorifying and pleasing to him, right? We, we want to be confident in his returns the way that John words it. Uh, and John says that everyone who is righteous, who's living a life that pleases God, uh, who's been made righteous, been made right with God by putting their trust in Jesus, he says those people have been born of him. Born of him. That's the language used. Born of him. For someone to be made righteous, right with God, they've got to be born again. If you guys are familiar with the story in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, uh, Jesus late at night meets uh, with this guy named Nicodemus. And he explains to him this concept that the way that people are made right with God is they've got to be born again. If God said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. That's the only way to be made right with God. That, that your life as it is right now, uh, born into a, a sinful nature, right? You're bound, you're a slave uh, to sin. The only way you can be made right with God is a spiritual rebirth, right? You've got to be born again. Not born with your body, but born spiritually. And Nicodemus is like, so I've got to like, get, get back inside my mom again. We've got to do this again. No, no, it's a spiritual birth, spiritually born again. And when you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord... God works a miracle. And spiritually, you are a new creation, right? You are a brand new person. It doesn't matter what your life was before. It doesn't matter what the first 18, 19, 20 years were and how big a mess you made of it. Man, when you put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you, he says in that moment, you are born again. You are a brand new creation, a new creature. Clean and pure and blameless in God's sight, right? But John says that, that those that, that do what's right, those that are pursuing God, living lives of righteousness, and, and he can tell that they've been born again in that way. And when we're born again, we're born into the family of God, and we become his children. Children, that's right. That's what we're talking about tonight. So, so look at chapter 3, verse 1. This is going to be the key verse here tonight. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Man, is there a more amazing thing? And all of creation than that. And maybe we've heard this verse a lot, so it just kind of washes over us. Like, oh, that's nice. Man, it's better than that, guys. Uh, this is the most amazing thing in the world. That God would love us enough to make us his children. He didn't have to do that, right? He didn't have to do that. Uh, there's nothing lovely about us where, where God's like, oh, I want that one, right? Some of you guys think, oh, I'm real good looking. God definitely wants me on the team, right? But I mean, spiritually, we were a mess, right? We were a mess, and we were far away from God. And God said, no, I, want, I want him as my son. I want her as my daughter. Right? I want to adopt them into the family. And what great love uh, that God would lavish on us to call us his children. Because none of us started as children of God. Right? Nobody, nobody's born into the family of God. Even if you've got Christian parents, right, nobody's born a Christian. That's not a thing. Right? You're only, you only become a Christian by putting your faith in Jesus and deciding to follow him uh, for yourself, personally. Right? We get born again by putting your trust in Jesus. Um, none of us starts out a Christian, and, and, and so we start out distant from God. Uh, we start out strangers from God. We don't start out as sons. We don't start out as daughters. And in fact, if anything, we're enemies of God, right? Because of the sinful nature that we're born into, all of our desires are in direct conflict with all of God's desires, right? If God wants something, our flesh wants the opposite, right? If God has a desire for something, man, we, we have a, an inclination to be bent towards whatever the opposite of that is, right? If God's generous... We want to be greedy and selfish, right? If God's loving, then, then again, we, we, want to be, we want to be prideful. We want to look out for ourselves. Uh, and so many of our desires, man, run opposite of God. 
that to the point where we're enemies of God. You know, if God is the good and just king reigning over the world, we're like, you know, a spiteful rebellion rising up against him saying, no, we want our own way. Right? We don't want your way. We don't want your, your rule or your rules for our life. Uh, and that was every single one of us before we put our trust in Jesus. Um, far from God, it, honestly, rebels and enemies of God, right? Enemies that, that would deserve to, to receive punishment from God, that would deserve wrath from God. God would be totally justified and right if he has this rebellion rising up against him to shut that down, right? But instead of, instead of pouring out the whole weight of, of justice and wrath and dumping that on our heads, instead he takes a look at us and says, no, I love him. I love him. I want to figure out a way to adopt him into my family, right? And that, that, that's the good news of the gospel is that God sent Jesus in our place right, to take that punishment for us. So instead of receiving wrath from God, we receive grace and mercy and forgiveness. That by God's love, the way he lavishes love on us uh, is he adopts us as his children when we put our trust in Jesus. Put our trust in Jesus, what he did on the cross to save us and make us right with God. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. And God says, I've got a room for you in my house. I've got a seat for you at my table. I'm going to be yours and you're going to be mine forever and ever and ever and ever, no matter what. Right? That's, that's what God's offering you. And I want you to be my child. I want to adopt you into the family. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Right? It, it, you know, it says that the, you know, the, the world, since it's in opposition to God, sometimes it feels like the world's in opposition to you, right? Sometimes it feels like everything's against you. Well, you're his child, right? So if the world's in opposition to God, it's going to be in opposition to us sometimes as well. You know, the world rejects us, or if it doesn't recognize us, it's because they don't know him, right? They don't have the same heart, the same values uh, that he does. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how uh, the, the values of this world are so contrary to the values of the kingdom of God that we live in this world as ambassadors, right, representing that kingdom, um, but, but there, there's things about the culture that we don't want to assimilate into, that we don't want to take on, because so many of the culture's things are opposite of God. Continuing on in verse 2, John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. He says there, what we will be, talking about the future, has not been made known. And there, there's a lot wrapped up in, in those few words um, about your potential, right? What, what we're going to be isn't fully known, right? When Jesus comes back, we're going to be transformed. Uh, when we're in his presence, when we're in heaven, on some level, no one really knows what that's going to be like, right? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. But we, we don't really know what that's going to be. And even our life here on this earth. Now, we don't know all the things God has planned for us. God has amazing things in store for each and every one of you. Um, however many years that you're here on this earth, God has amazing plans, things for you to do and accomplish, ways he's going to bless you and favor you and open doors for you. If you get kind of like a, a future look at what the next 20, 30, 40 years are going to look like for you, it would totally blow your socks off, right? We don't know what God's got in store for us. We don't know what we're going to be, right? But your potential as a child of God is limitless, Right? Is limitless. Sometimes we, we, put, we put things in a box, like I can only go this far. But I mean, if you think of yourself as, as God's child, right? You've got the favor of the whole kingdom of God on your life, right? You've got the God of the whole universe as your daddy saying, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to provide for you, right? Uh, there's no limit to what you can do, what you can accomplish, what you can be in him. What we will be has not been made known. So on one level, we have no idea the wonderful things God has in store for us, the tremendous 
potential in each of us as God's children. Sometimes we think too low of ourselves, right? When God calls you his child, that's an elevating statement. You know, you're my child. You are a prince or a princess, right, in the throne room of the God of the universe. That's an elevating statement, right? God wants us humble. He doesn't want us prideful. But, man, sometimes we get so down on ourselves. Sometimes we get so, such low self-esteem that we defeat ourselves. We don't even need the enemy to oppose us. We defeat ourselves. But God says, you are my children. You're, you're heirs, co-heirs with Christ, right? And there's huge potential in that. There's huge power in that when you, when you own that, when you step into that. John says, when he appears, we shall be like him. When Jesus appears, when Jesus returns, we're going to be like him, Right? Uh, there, there's certain ways, again, that each and every single one of us is made in the image of God. There's certain ways that we resemble God now. Uh, but when Jesus returns for us, we're going to be miraculously transformed to be even more like Him. When Jesus returns, there's a miraculous transformation that occurs for us where our bodies uh, will become like His in the way immortal, imperishable. Right? Right now we've got bodies that get sick, right? That wear out, that the joints start to hurt, that we get real old, right? And that body is not built for eternity. That body is not built to live 10,000 years in heaven, right? Uh, the, the, the New Testament talks about when Jesus returns for us, a miraculous transformation where we get bodies like Jesus' resurrected body that is imperishable and immortal. Paul talks about it a little bit in 1 Corinthians. Um, again, there's several passages that describe this, but we're just going to look at this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 42. Paul says this, it's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. Skipping down to verse 51, let me reveal a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be all transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Right? So if you have already died, right? Uh, and, and, and in fact, this is what Paul is writing to address, because he had some believers that were concerned about... Hey, you said Jesus was coming back. Some of us have already died. Like, so what happens to these guys? Paul says this is going to be a miraculous resurrection, right? The dead in Christ are going to rise. Their bodies are going to be transformed. If you happen to still be alive when Jesus comes back, you're going to, you know, witness it yourself. Uh, a miraculous transformation where instead of a perishable body, then you've got an imperishable body. Uh, you, you begin to, to physically have that in common with Jesus, right? You're made to be like him. Um, so at his return, we'll be transformed physically to be like him. But in the meantime, right, as we wait for that hope, uh, as we wait uh, for that to happen, um, each and every one of us should be in the process of becoming spiritually like him. Right? There's going to come a day where you'll be physically like him. Right? You'll have a good, strong body that's not going to wear out. Praise God. Right? Some of you guys got aches and pains or chronic sicknesses and stuff. And praise the Lord that that's a temporary thing. Right? In the scope of eternity... That's a vapor. That's a breath, right? Uh, that, that, that God's going to give us uh, a body like Jesus's, uh, immortal, imperishable. Uh, but in the meantime, right, while we wait for that hope, while we wait for the return of Jesus, we're not just man, sitting on the roof staring at the sky, right? We're not just sitting on a log just, just waiting, right? Uh, we should be in the process of becoming more like Jesus spiritually, 
right? Our character to become more like God, right? Our, our, our morals, our impurity, all these kind of ways becoming more and more like Christ, allowing him to shape our character, allowing him to purify us from sin. So jumping back to 1 John chapter 3, uh, John puts it this way as we continue in verse 3. All who have this hope, the hope of Jesus' return, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Right? So we look at Jesus and we see that Jesus is pure. And say, man, I want to be like that. I want to be pure like Jesus. So what ways can I purify my life so my life is more pleasing to God, uh, so my life honors God? Uh, again, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Right? God loves us. He chose to adopt us. It's what Jesus did on the cross that makes us right with God. But still, man, because we love God, man, we want to live lives that please Him, right? Uh, we want to live a life that, that's pure so that God can, can use us and work through us. Uh, so when God looks on us, He's pleased. And also knowing that God's uh, will for our life, man, He knows what's best for us, right? If God says, hey, live these, this certain way and hey, avoid these certain things, it's for our good, right? So that our life can be full of joy. Our life can be blessed uh, when, when, when we follow Him in that way. So it says those that are waiting for that hope purify themselves just as he is pure. Verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. This is another way to think of sin. You guys hear that word sin thrown around? It's just law, lawlessness, going against God's law. But you know that he appeared so that you, he might take away our sins. And in him, in Jesus, there's no sin. Because every single one of us at some point sins, right? Every single one of us breaks the law, goes against God's law. Um, and lawlessness is another way to think of our state before coming to God. Uh, and he says that Jesus appeared. This is one of his purposes in coming uh, was to take away our sin. Right? Take away our sin. That's the purpose. When Jesus said the way his purpose was when he came into the world, he said, I want to seek and save the lost. Right? Those that are far away from God, they're enslaved in their sins, they're tangled in their sins, they're far away from God. God said, I came to save those people. I came to take away their sins. I came to deal with this sin problem that each and every one of us has that separates us from God. It's when we do what we don't want to do. Uh, we do what we hate, but we, we can't help ourselves. It's, it's when we do things that we know are wrong, but we do it anyway. You know, times that we're prideful, times that we're selfish, times that we do things that hurt ourselves, hurt other people, every single one of us does it. It's what the Bible calls sin or lawlessness. Jesus came to deal with all that. He came to make it to where that wouldn't keep you from a relationship with God any longer. Right? He came to take that sin on Himself so you could receive grace and mercy and forgiveness of God and be washed clean. So when God looks at you, He doesn't see all your failures and mistakes. He doesn't look at you and see everything you've ever done wrong. He looks at you and says, man, that's my boy. Right? That's my daughter. Right? That's my son that I love. That's my little girl, my baby girl that I love. Right? And He, he sees you through that veil of the blood of Jesus as perfectly clean. Right? Becoming more and more like the Son uh, in every way. All of us have sinned. All of us have broken God's law. And the good news of the gospel is that God sent Jesus to take our way our sins. To take our way our sins. When we put our trust in Him again as Savior. And if you've never ever done that, then it's nice tonight, right? To say, God, would you please forgive me of my sins? Would you please make me clean? I need a fresh start tonight, right? My life is a mess. My past is a mess. I need a fresh start in you tonight. Uh, Jesus has come to take away your sin, right? He's come to make you right with God. He, he, he's made it possible for us to step into a place of forgiveness um, where we can be clean and pure before God and adopted into the family of God. John continues in verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, 
just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Right? So it says if you're, if you're a child of God, you're not just going to keep on sinning and sinning and sinning. Right? It says if you're a child of God, you're not going to be hating people. Right? You're going to have love for one another. And several weeks ago we talked about man, that, that kind of love that God has for us to show to one another. Um, it says that, that, that when, we, when we're sinning, when we're rebelling against God in different areas of our life, uh, we're not showing that we're children of God. We're showing that we're children of, of the devil. Um, if there's just persistent sin in our life and, and there's not uh, a heart that's broken up by that, right? We're not, we're not repentant about that. That, that sin doesn't grieve us. Uh, then God says, in that moment, you're behaving more like a child of the devil than a child of God. You know, last, last week we talked about in the spirit of Antichrist, right? The, the anti just meaning opposite. This, there's this, this trend in, in, in the culture of being opposite of Christ, opposed to Jesus. Uh, and, and John's saying, man, you, when, when we're persisting in sin, our lives are more lining up with that uh, than, than lining up with the child of God. Um, but, but the key phrase there to look at, it says, no one who lives in him should keep on sinning. This doesn't mean as a Christian that you're never going to sin or you're never going to mess up, right? That's not what that means. Every single one of us is going to have days where we blow it, right? Where we mess up, where we fall into sin. Uh, not a single one of us is going to be perfect until heaven. There's going to be times where we stumble. And thank God that we have the promise from first, you know, from, from John earlier in his letter in 1 John 1, 9, that when we confess our sins, God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Um, but as children of God, we shouldn't continue in sin, right? If there's a sin we're struggling with, we should be trying to eliminate that sin from our life, not just kind of pursuing it and going after it and it not bother us at all, right? But when we're born again with the Spirit of God living in us, uh, and when we commit a sin... It should grieve our heart, right? The Holy Spirit's going to be like, ugh, that's gross. Uh, why'd I do that, right? And God, I'm sorry, and, and confessing that and making steps to get out of that sin. And John's saying, you know, if, if, if you look at your life and there's a sin that you just kind of marching along in and you don't feel bad about it at all, right? And, and, and you're not making any steps to try to, to try to repent of that or, or eliminate that from your life. John says that is a big problem because a child of God shouldn't be continuing in sin. Will a child of God sin sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, we're all going to stumble sometimes. But a child of God should not be just persistent in sin, keep on sinning, pursuing sin. Do you guys see the difference? you guys see the distinction? Um, and you'll have some people say that as a Christian, you should never ever sin at all. I mean, you should try not to, but every single one of us is going to, and that's why we need God's grace and forgiveness, right? But, but I would agree that as a Christian, we shouldn't be pursuing sin. There shouldn't be any sins in our life that we just do and don't even care, right? That, that don't grieve us, that don't break our heart. And, and, and if we look at our life and there is sin that way that doesn't, Grievous, right? Then, then we need to you know, check our heart, check our relationship with God. Say, man, Holy Spirit, what's going on here? Um, would you help me uh, to have what the Bible calls a, a godly sorrow about my sin, a godly sorrow that would bring me to a place of repentance where it's like, I got to stop doing this thing, whatever it takes, right? I've got to get this out of my life, whatever it takes. Um, if there's a sin that we continue doing that we know is wrong, but we keep doing it anyway. We do nothing to repent or eliminate it from our lives. We're not living as children of God in that moment. We're living as children of the devil. Um, two more verses I want to look at. Uh, and we can wrap up here tonight. 
Um, I don't believe this one's on the screen, but if you want to write it down or you've got your Bible, it's Ephesians chapter 5. We're talking about in what ways do we resemble our parents, what way do we resemble God as children of God. Ephesians chapter 5, um, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes this. He says, imitate God. Imitate God. You guys ever play a game where you had to imitate somebody, you had to copy somebody, Simon says, something like that? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Because in everything we do, we should imitate God, we should imitate Jesus, we should look to his example and say, how can my life look more like that? How can my life more line up with that? Uh, God help me to, to, to have a life that lines up with Jesus, that is imitating Jesus. Uh, so when people look at me, you know, they, they, they see Jesus in me. And then, and then the last verse we're going to look at, this is Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, um, starting in verse 15. Romans 8, 15. I asked that we could sing um, No Longer Slave to Fear tonight in the worship set because uh, this, is, this is the verse where that song comes from. It's talking about uh, not being a slave to fear anymore because we're children of God. Now, th- this passage and then, and then another, another verse in Galatians were reported exactly that way, that you're no longer a slave to fear because you're a child of God. This is what Paul says here in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You've not received a spirit that makes you a slave to fear. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call on him, Ab, call on him Abba, Father. Abba, just an affectionate, affectionate name for God. Uh, there, there in the ancient, ancient Aramaic. Uh, so just think of a, a really affectionate name that you call, call, call a dad figure. This is Daddy, Papa, whatever that is for you. Um, that, that is, we're adopted as His children, and we get to call on, call on God with that level of affection. Abba, Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. No longer slaves to our sin, no longer slaves to fear, uh, but adopted into God's family as His precious children. Right? And we want to start resembling Him uh, as His children, as His son, as His daughter. We want our lives to be pleasing to Him. We want to imitate Him. We want to resemble Him in every way. Um, then we want to grow closer to Him. Some of you guys, you had a concept of God, like God is a, a being, a force somewhere out there in the cosmos, but not really knowable, not really approachable. That's not how God reveals himself. God reveals himself and says, man, I'm your father. And I love you. Crawl up in my lap. I want, I want relationship, right? I want to talk. I want dialogue. That's what prayer is, right? Uh, I want to know you and I want to be known by you. Man, we've got a God. The same God that created this universe is relatable and knowable. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. He, he wants to identify as a father to you. And I don't know, man. It, in a, in a room this size, and there's some folks in this room that that concept of father is difficult. That's a loaded concept because of your life, right? Some of you guys may had experience growing up where there wasn't really a father around, right? There wasn't really there wasn't really a father in the picture, or if there was a father, it'd been better if he wasn't in the picture, right? Or some of you guys maybe biological father wasn't in the picture, you know. There, so there was another man that was kind of the father figure, and maybe they were a great dad, or maybe. And they're a terrible dad. But for whatever reason, every single one of us brings a certain amount of baggage to that concept of father. Right? When God says, I'm your father, that means something different to each of us depending on what relationship we've had with father. Again, some of us have had 
lousy fathers. Some have had non-present fathers. Some have had great fathers, right? Thank God for that. And then, and then some of us are probably somewhere in between. But, but I want to be real about, about that tonight. You know, that, that is something we bring. But sometimes it's hard to approach God as Father because God, we say, God, honestly, I've not had a great picture of what that looks like. God says, let me renew that. Let me change that. Maybe you've not had a good earthly father. I mean, you have a good, good heavenly father. Right? That wants to love you, that wants to accept you as you are, that wants to bless you. And that wants you to know him, that wants that intimacy. Maybe you didn't have close intimacy with your parents, right? Um, and maybe your parents kept you at arm's length. Everyone's got different parenting styles, right? Um, you know, everyone's got different, different ways that, that, that they're emotional and intimate. But God says, I'm not going to hold you at arm's length, right? I want you close. Right? I want to be intimate with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to experience the fullness of my love as my child. Right? Even if you not had a great, a great picture of father in your life growing up, and God wants to be that perfect father for you. Right? And so, so part, of, part of pursuing him uh, tonight, part of, part of our prayer time tonight, and if we've got, again, baggage or scar tissue because of this concept of father, letting God just heal that. Letting God renew that. Letting God give you uh, his picture of father. Because it's... Almost all of you in this room at some point are going to be parents someday, right? And, and every single one of us wants to be better parents than the parents we had. Even if you had great parents, you say, man, I, I want to be like that or, or even better. Uh, let, let God renew that concept of father. Uh, so someday, man, you can, you can be better for your, for your kids than maybe your, your, your folks were able to be for you, right? And so that you can embrace God in this picture of father uh, as he's presenting himself. So you can fully embrace man, what it means to be a child of God. I'm talking about stepping into that. Uh, and the authority that we have as child of God. Um, the, the, the next next verse, verse 17, it's not up there, says, and since we are his children, we're also heirs. Heirs. H-E-I-R-S, heirs. You guys know that word, heirs? What that means? If you're an heir to an inheritance, what does that mean? You got some money coming your way, right? Uh, yeah, if you've got... You've got that, the rich aunt, right? And, and she named you in her will as an heir, right? When an aunt goes on to heaven and the stuff she left behind, you're an heir to that, right? You're a beneficiary of that. You, re, you receive that. Um, you know, if you, if you are uh, an heir to, again, property or, or things or, or money, um, it means you have a share in that. God says, uh, as his children, we're heirs, Right? Heirs of God. Man, we share in the kingdom of God. God says, what I have is yours. Is at your disposal. Whatever you need, right? Power, authority, it's at your disposal. You're an heir, right? You can call on it, right? Um, that's the authority we have as a child of God. So, I mean, we need to step in that place where we can receive. Okay, God, you're my father. You're not just some far-off God, right, that's man, looking at me through a telescope. But, but you're my father. You're close. You're intimate. You're present. And I need to step into that authority as your child and embrace what that means. So as a child, man, first and foremost, our lives need to start resembling Jesus. We need to start resembling our Father, right? We need to get to know our Father better so we can resemble Him more. Some of us say, I don't really know how to resemble God because I don't really know that much about God. No, we need to get to know Him better. And we need to spend time in prayer, spend time in His presence, spend time in the Word, and get to know Him better. And, and John says, man, as we draw closer to God, it's going to look like purifying our lives from sin. Right, so the final thing we're going to look at, and this is kind of our application tonight, is how do we eliminate sin from our lives? How do we purify our lives so that they're pleasing to God? So we can live a life that resembles God. What does that look like? Uh, so two things, real brief, we're going to talk about. Uh, two ways that we purify our lives, we can begin to resemble 
uh, God more, begin to resemble our parent more in that way, in that way of purity, that way of holiness. The first is uh, to drink deeply and be satisfied from the Lord. Um, the prophet Jeremiah gives an analogy uh, in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 2, uh, describing God as a fountain of living water. Picture a big, beautiful fountain just flowing with fresh, clean, abundant water, living water. Uh, the God says, man, you, you can come to and just drink deeply whenever you want. Drink deeply and be satisfied. Jeremiah says, we get in trouble because we don't do that, right? And we go looking for satisfaction in literally anything else instead of coming to God, right? And so we end up digging these wells. Instead of drinking from the fountain, we end up digging uh, these wells to find satisfaction and things that can be sin or things that end up becoming idols for us, right? Um, but God says, I want you to come to me and drink deeply. And honestly, this is the most important thing you can do to eliminate sin in your life. This is the most, the, the, the best way for you to have success in eliminating sin. Because it's not a willpower game. It's not just, if I just try harder, I'll be able to stop sinning. No, nobody stops sinning that way, right? You're, you're going to lose that battle. Um, but if instead you go to God and you say, God, would you satisfy the desires of my heart? Would you satisfy the needs I have so I don't, I don't chase that satisfaction in these other things? And that's how you get victory in that area. It's coming to God in prayer each and every day and saying, and God, would you satisfy me? Would you meet me here? Would you let me just drink deep of that living water? And would you meet those needs that, 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 that are leading me to, to sin and temptation, right? And if you look at every single sin that you struggle with, right? Every, every single way that, that you get tempted uh, to sin against God, um, and it stems from some kind of desire in you that God wants to meet, that God wants to fill. I mean, if you, if you get in trouble... Uh, with, with lust and sexual sin and, and making stupid decisions based on a need for love, God says, man, I want to, to satisfy that need you have for love. Right? God, God created you to desire love, to desire intimacy, first and foremost with Him. He says, man, I want to love on you like crazy. Right? I want to fill up that, that, that love gauge in your heart so you're not going around just starving for love, which again gets us into so many bad situations because we're starving for it. Right? God says, let me love you. Let me love you. Let me fill you up with love. Drink deeply of that love so you're not walking around on empty. Right? Man, why, why do we sometimes gossip? Why do we sometimes say things that we shouldn't? It's because you've got a real need to be heard, to be known. God says, tell me. Tell me. Meet me in prayer and, and lay it all out there. Right? I'm going to listen to every word. Right? So we don't have to say foolish things to get other people's attention. We don't have to gossip because we feel like, man, I need to say something real juicy for people to listen to me. Right? Because we've got a God that's going to listen to us, that He's going to fill our need to be heard. And again, whatever it is that you, you may struggle with, say, well, what's the thing under the thing? What's the desire that needs to be met? And Father, would you meet that need in me? Let me just drink deeply till I'm full, till I'm stuffed, till I'm like how y'all are going to feel Wednesday after next, after the Thanksgiving dinner, where I'm, I'm so full that nothing can tempt me because I cannot have another bite. I'm stuffed, right? Let God stuff you that way, right? Just fill you up with His love. Where you're just like, world, you have zero to offer me because now I'm so full of God, right? Drink deeply, let God satisfy those things, uh, and you'll be amazed the level of victory you'll see overcoming sin. That, that stuff will lose all appeal uh, when, 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 you get, when you get a bigger hold of God. And then the last one is we need real accountability in our lives. Christianity is a team sport, right? There's no Lone Ranger Christians. There's no, there's no solo Christians. We need each other. I need you, right? You need the kids sitting next to you, right? Uh, we need each other. We need our brothers. We need our sisters. We need each other. We've got to have each other. Uh, we're, we're, we're children of God, and we need our brothers and sisters. We need that accountability. Uh, we need those people that are going to help us to overcome sin. 
Yes, we need to come and drink deeply from God, but we also need that friend that's going to call us up and say, hey man, I know you're struggling with this. How's that going this week? I've been praying for you all week. We talked in life group about this issue. Uh, I know you're having some trouble with it, but I just want to check in. How's that going, right? And I'm praying for you. How can I help? How can I help hold you accountable? Uh, in Kyle, sometimes we call it proofreaders, right? Let someone proofread your life. Right? Every single one of you has had that English class where the professor had you pass the papers to the next person so you could, could look over their paper and you found, oh, that's a silly spelling error. Or that's a silly grammar error. How'd they make that mistake? And then you get your paper back and you made the same mistakes, right? And why is it we're not able to see those errors on our page? Because we're too close to it, right? You spent an hour with that essay. You're too close to it. We miss, we miss the silly little errors on that page. We need another fresh set of eyes to look at it. And your life is the same way. You are too close to your own life to see all the ways that you're messing up. We're just too close to it. But if you've got someone, man, a brother or sister, that you say, hey, in love, can you proofread my life? Right? If you see something in me that's not right, would you, in love, point that out? Right? And I'll do the same for you uh, to help each other, again, to live lives that are pleasing to God, help us to purify our lives, help us to more resemble God. Amen? All right. Well, let me pray for you guys tonight. Some of you guys... Again, that concept of being a child of God is just something you need the Lord's help embracing more, right? Uh, so, some of you guys say, say Matt, uh, I do want to purify in my life, but there's a particular temptation, a particular sin that's really a struggle. I need God's help breaking that off in my life. Um, I'd like to pray for you guys tonight. Would you guys bow your heads? Um, let's bring it to the Lord in prayer. God, again, we thank you for the tremendous love that you've lavished on us, calling us your children. That's no small thing. God, for you to accept us, for you to love us just as we are, God. Before we did a single thing right, God, you loved us first, you loved us best. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us to make us right with God so God could adopt us as children. We're thankful for that, God. We praise you for that, God. For those here tonight that are struggling with the concept of embracing you as a father, God, would you minister to broken hearts, God? Each and every one of us, God, uh, maybe has, has scars and, and baggage that we carry because of our relationship with our parents. God, would you just administer healing right now by your Holy Spirit to those things? With your love, God, with your gentleness, God, would you administer healing to our hearts, Father God, so that we can embrace you as Father. We can embrace you as that good, good Father who loves us, who knows what's best for us, that we can draw close to and be intimate with God. God, would you heal our hearts? Would you minister to our hearts? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, those that are struggling, God, to to purify their lives, that know that that there's certain sins, God, that they they need to stop doing, they need to break free from, they need to eliminate. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you break those things off their lives, God? God, would you liberally administer your grace to their lives, that grace enables us to say no uh, to sinful lusts and worldly desires. God, would the freedom that Jesus bought and paid for on the cross be full in their lives, God. The freedom, Jesus, that you won for them be a reality in their lives as you break the bondage of sin. No longer a slave to sin, no longer a slave to fear, but fully embracing our identity as children of God. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We come to you, God. Would you satisfy our needs? Would you satisfy our desires, God? Let us drink deep of you and be satisfied. And again, if there's anyone in here tonight that say, Matt, I've, I've never put my trust in Jesus to be my Savior, so I can be adopted in the family of God as a child. 
uh, I don't really know that I am a child of God, but I want to be. If that's anyone here tonight, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? You know, you pray for me. I want to put my trust in Jesus tonight. I want to be a child of God. Anybody at all? God, again, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your great love for us. We put our trust in you, Jesus, as our Savior, as our Lord. God, would you save us? Would you make us right with God? We receive your gift of eternal life. So when this life on earth is over, we can spend it forever in heaven with you, God. Help us to live for you from this day forward. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, and let our lives be pleasing to you so that we can be confident to return, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So remember, next week, next week we have Dr. Justin Baker uh, from St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Totally free. Invite a friend. Invite an enemy. Invite a co-worker. Invite a classmate. Um, folks from Up Till Dawn will be here as well. Uh, it's going to be really, really good. If you guys wanted a preview of Justin, uh, his TED Talk that he gave at TEDx Memphis is available online. Um, uh, I think on YouTube, if you just look for Justin Baker TED Talk, you'll probably find it. It's the TEDx Memphis one. Um, really, really good. He's going to be sharing again about things God's taught him there working with St. Jude, working with those kids. Uh, it's going to be a really, really powerful night. Um, that's next week. Uh, if you've not yet signed up for Insomnia, that sign-up sheet is over here on the table. And there are Pop-Tarts in the back for snack, okay? All right. You guys have a good night.